Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. Straight up to the claw on this Friday afternoon. Good afternoon and welcome to today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. My name is Dave Burns alongside the one, the only, John Gambadoro. Hi, Gambo. Bernsie, what's going on? Surprised you're not out there uh, limboing with the kids. I know. I got the song in my head. They're doing like the limbo. Yeah, we're here. Like if my school was like, hey, we're going to go do the limbo, I'd be like, I'm cutting class today. <laughs> Not against all the kids out of here, but like, who wants to go? What guy wants to go do a limbo? Sometimes I feel bad for your childhood. You missed out on all the little you, the, the fun of playing limbo when you were a kid. You didn't. That's fun. Yeah, when playing you're a little limbo. kid playing playing the limbo like game. Teenagers? No, no, they're they're like elementary school kids. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah right. that wasn't. But what by then you were already into doing mafia fun things when you were uh, eight I or mean, nine. I mean, I you, was traumatized you already... by some events in my childhood. Of course, I think you could have used a little more limbo in your life. Probably could have. Yeah. You probably could have used a little more. You probably could have used a little more childhood in your childhood, yeah. Gambo. Just saying. This song is on a loop right now in the hallway outside of us it's here at Footprints. It's yeah. all we hear, and then every and they're like running around the, the big circle that is the concourse of Footprint Center. Yeah. And so when they pass us, there's like hundreds of kids, and yeah. they play the limbo music. I can see the limbo thing right yeah. outside where we're doing the show from, and um, gotta yeah. get way low. Gotta get low, low. Gotta low. get as low as like that guy that got decked last night at the Dodger game after the proposal. <laughs> that was Man, that was a great hit. That, that was, was fantastic. Listen, Monty Austin Fort should go sign that security guard. Man, I'll give that guy. I'll let that guy play cornerback or safety did, for me. Did you see Guriel's reaction? His yeah, was the he was best. Like, yeah, oh, Guriel's like, oh, that's so cool. Guys proposed just go. Oh, oh, he got crunched by the security God, guard. He deserved he to get crunched by the security guard. What idiot thinks it's a good idea to run on the field to propose to his girlfriend? Like that's the stupidest <laughs> thing I ever heard of. I hope. Like, I mean, you couldn't come up with a better plan than that. I hope she said yes, and I hope the she ring. Did. She posted on her Instagram. Oh, she, that they, okay. she said yes because I. I I pictured, like, the ring going flying, and the guy couldn't find it because he was getting arrested. She sold it to get him out of jail. Where's the ring? Where's the ring? Where's the ring? They gave it to her, and she hooked it. It seems like if he's down on one knee, he's kind of, like, giving himself up like a football player. It's like tackling the quarterback after he slides. He's down. He's down. I'm a security guy. I got a free shot at that guy. (laughs) I'm taking it. I'm taking it. Man, he leveled that guy. He sure did. I was like, that was a big-time hit right there. I'm glad she said yes, and hopefully he's out of jail. Let's weigh in on our top story of the day here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, the weigh-in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. Huge game tonight. Or should I say huge game tonight? Question mark? Because we're not really sure who Denver's going to play in tonight's game. We're not sure if they're playing anybody in tonight's game. At least nobody worth it. And I'm not trying to like take the air out of this thing. But, man, I was so looking forward to this game. And I still am. But maybe not as much depending on what the Denver Nuggets do for tonight's game. As we are live at Footprint Center, our coverage is brought to you by FanDuel. Contavious Caldwell-Pope, questionable. Nikola Jokic, questionable. Jamal Murray, questionable. Michael Porter Jr., questionable yeah, for Are they scared game. of something? Are they afraid? <laughs> they want to play anybody? I don't know. I think that there's... I mean, I do think there's something to that. I think that, you know... They're, they're, that they're scared? Not that they're scared. Not that they're scared. But I think that maybe it's like... I don't want to, I don't want to show the Phoenix Suns anything. 
I don't want to show the. We're waving to the kids. I told you the kids. The kids would be coming by soon enough, and they're waving at us. Now go do the limbo. Go do the limbo. The thing that Gambo wouldn't do when he was. You thought they were in high school? I thought some of them were. Those were, those were elementary school kids all the we way. Went to, we went to the planetarium in elementary school. I remember that. Like the planetarium? Yeah. Do you go to the planetarium? Uh, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, it was, I, again, that. you could have, your childhood could have used a I little did more the, childhood. I did the Paul Bunyan Day Camp once. Okay. Year, okay. Summer. That's, that's good. I woke that's us good. up at like two in the morning to go see an owl on a tree. I'm like, you woke me up for this? Uh, again. Like, just to see an owl on a tree at two o'clock in the morning, you wake us up? Let's like, get back geez. to your theory about the uh, nuggets. And Yeah, I think that they don't want to show anything. I think, listen, I think Jokic could be hurt. He didn't play yesterday, but, but Jamal, and you're not going to play guys back-to-back. So Jamal Murray, I don't even think he's making the trip. So, I mean, I, I think that there could be something to, like, we're so close to maybe playing this team in the playoffs. You know, why would we Why would we show anything? I mean, I get that. I mean, with them, them haven't played last night. You know, the Suns want a barometer. They want to test themselves against, you know, whatever teams they can. That Minnesota game was a test. Denver's got the number one seed, and they might not want to. Listen, just for confidence, right? They don't want to come in here. Kevin Durant goes for 37. They lose, and, you know, you, you lose a little bit of confidence with that. So I think there could be something, too. Those are all really good points. And, and and maybe it's just we're just not going to show you anything at all. Now, after last night's, and, and they got just punked by the Pelicans last night. It, it was an awful game for Denver. Oh, so bad. They couldn't hit a shot. They couldn't hit a shot. Uh, it was, they were below 40. The, oh, I saw the, you see the, the shooting numbers. Three point shooting oh, numbers in that terrible. game for them? It was just terrible last night. Yeah, I mean, it was the, the Nuggets. Okay, they, this is how bad they were last night. The Nuggets became the first team all season in the entire NBA to shoot less than 40% from the floor less than 15% from three, and less than 65% from the free throw line. They shot 40%, 14.3% from distance, 62.5% from the free throw line. They were awful. Wow. They were. They, it's a miracle they only lost by 19 in that game. How they didn't yeah. lose by more, I don't know. No, that was uh, that, that reminds me of the old Nuggets that were really, really bad with Rafe friends and George McLeod and <laughs> I remember Rod those Mercer teams. and... Yeah. James Posey so, and those guys were terrible. So Michael Malone, after the game, said, made it sound like he didn't expect Jamal Murray to play tonight. He said, to be determined on Jokic, to be determined on KCP. There was a tweet from Harrison Wind, who uh, covers the Nuggets for DNVR Sports and, and their podcast there. He tweeted out last night, lots of talk in the Nuggets locker room about who's actually traveling to Phoenix tonight for tomorrow's back-to-back. Some guy's just not even going to come. Huh? Yeah, the, the, I don't think Murray's coming. Uh, I'll just, I'm just telling you what's on the official injury report as of right now, those four guys that I mentioned are all listed as questionable. Whether they're here or not, I don't even know. Now, as a Suns fan, you know, there's two ways of looking at this, and I'm always curious to see your perspective on this because you usually have good perspective on this. On the one hand, you're probably not falling into the play-in tournament if you're the Suns. You've got enough margin for error there. You don't have to worry about that, but you still are contending with the Clippers who are still just a game back in the lost column, and you're trying to get home court advantage. Do you welcome the Nuggets sitting a bunch of guys, or do you want the test? I want the test. I do, too. I do, too. I want the test. I want the test. The other thing is, I don't think the Nuggets are that far ahead of Memphis for the... So, I think that, like, these games... games, I think. Okay, so they lose today. It's two. Yeah. Like, you know, you don't want to blow the home court advantage throughout the playoffs if you're the Nuggets. 
Sure, like, I'm looking at the standings. I think, I it, th- I think sure. it's three, but I think you'll lose today. Uh, I think you're down to two. Doing by the loss column, yes. Three-game lead over Memphis. So I don't know why they, you know, maybe they just, okay, we'll, we'll get full strength for this next game. Listen, teams get very careful around this time of year. They don't want to risk any injury. And, I mean, it could be something psychological. We don't want to, you know, we don't want to play the Suns when we're not at full strength. We just played last night and give them any, you know, belief that they're better than us. I, I don't know. I mean, but I would like to see the Suns play some full strength teams here because I just, you know, I want a gauge. I want, I want, I want a more of a gauge for them. Yeah, it's, it's, um, I mean, it's a silly cliche, but it's, I think it's true in this case. What is it? Iron sharpens iron. I, I think that the, the best way for the Suns to achieve the best version of themselves is start playing really good teams. And I think we started to see that against Minnesota. And, you know, you got to be careful with this, too. You don't want to come in and go completely underestimate Denver if they do sit a bunch of guys. But I was really looking forward to a good – okay, the, look, the regular season ends one week from Sunday. You're, you're, you're starting to run out of these moments now. And the closer you get to the end, the more teams' positions in the seedings are going to be solidified so you don't feel like you have to play towards the end of the season, right? Like that's sure. Once you know you're locked into the four seed or the five seed or whatever, you'll probably take a step back and start managing minutes a little bit. I don't think we're there yet. I was really looking forward to seeing an iron versus iron kind of matchup tonight. It doesn't sound like we're going to get it. No, I, I think it's a chance to send a message, too. You know, if they're full yes. strength and you play them and you punk them, you know, you send a little bit of a message. They're not going to allow it. The first time they're going to play play the Suns, and I, I think the, the next time they play them, it might be a similar thing. I mean, I think that they may want, I might be wrong here, but I think they may want the first time we play the Suns in a game that matters is going to be on our home court. It's going to be on our home court. Maybe. Because this is, the way things are trending, a second-round matchup galore. Yeah, 5-4, winner of 5-4 against one. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's we'll see. We'll see what the Nuggets end up doing. I imagine we'll get more clarification the closer we get to the game. As far as the Suns, clean injury report. Knock on wood. Fully, there's nobody on it at all. So maybe that means the minutes restriction has been lifted for KD. He'll certainly play, but I don't know if that means there's going to be a restriction or not. This is your last shot to participate in the madness. Text the word Bucks to 62620. Choose from the final four teams remaining for your chance to win $250. Again, text the word Bucks to 62620 to the Arizona Sports Bracket Bucks presented by Santan Ford and Schwartz Laser Eye Center. Well, started off well enough, and then the Dodgers found that loose thread, and they pulled the Diamondbacks apart like they usually do. That's next, Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Two, that one hit in the air and it's hit well. Guriel back onto the track, turns, looks, and it's gone. All those nice things we said about the Diamondbacks yesterday. We'll oh, take them all back. God. We'll take them all back. You know, the greatest thing about this new schedule is that you don't have to see the Dodgers that much. God, I hate losing to the Dodgers. <laughs> I mean, don't they just always, like, kick our ass? Oh, especially there. Did you see the numbers from Nick Picoro? I think it was 3-25? 3-22 in, in their oh, last 25. Geez. There. There. In that building. They've they've won three of the last 25 times they've played in there. It's just like enough. I'm just so Long excited. Goal. So excited to watch that game. And then they go 
go out and they get their asses kicked. Yeah, and I'm, uh, of course I'm being facetious and I'm kidding and I'm being sarcastic. I, it's it, the, it's a classic kind of thing where it, you even sent me a funny story today. We'll get into it a little bit later. Some of the classic overreactions from day one of yes, the baseball yes. season after what happened yesterday yes. with Shohei and the Padres. Uh, look, it's one game. It's no one. No one takes one game in a baseball season and says, "Aha, that's it." See, see. No, no, of course not. It's there's just it's too small of a sample size. That being said, there is kind of a baked in frustration that really comes with losing to the Dodgers because just no matter what. And last night couldn't have gotten off to a better start if they tried. Should right, have been lead early. Yeah, the they sack fly by Moreno, the RBI single by Christian walking out a leadoff guy. I mean, his at bats were terrible. At uh, Lewis's at bat, his at bats were just not very good. Struck out the first three times he was up and went 0 for 4 in the game as a leadoff hitter. Uh, but it's one game. But, yeah, you get up to a 2 nothing lead, you got Gallon on the mound, you feel pretty good about it. But, you know, one of the things, that I, and I think this was in Nick's column, he made a really good point of this. Like, Gallon had to throw, like, a lot of pitches in a really short amount of time, and he thinks that may have done him in. Yep. And I could buy that. Like, I could buy that. He even pointed to, like, a game last year where he threw, like, a similar amount of pitches in an inning, and it was just much different. I've got it right here. Last September, it was the inning in which his scoreless inning streak ended at 44 and a third. Gallon had a 28-pitch inning against the Rockies. Okay, He was laboring that inning, and that's when the, the, the scoreless inning streak ended. That inning took about 17 and a half minutes. Okay? It was slow. It was There was like this built-in time for him to kind of catch his breath and think his way through it. Last night, same number of pitches. 27 pitches. He faced six batters, but it occurred in a span of about 12 minutes. It's about less. five and a half minutes less. Yeah. And I, I'm sure you're listening right now. You're if you're in the audience, you're going, oh, big deal. So what, it was 12 minutes. If you're a pitcher and you're used to being able to slow play and control the pace a little bit and step off the mound in and take mind, a break in your mind, think, right? Think about your pitch. And, and now you're thinking clock, pitch, clock, pitch, clock, pitch. He's messing with the, 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 the pitch caller thing that's on his wrist that kept flying off and he couldn't get it to stay, right? And you got to hurry. you got to hurry because you got this clock. He didn't make any excuses about it afterwards. I'll give Zach Gallon credit. He's no. like, look, i got to figure it out. Oh, he'll get used to it, but that's part of the adjustment of all of this, right? Yeah, no, he'll get used to it. I mean, you're going to have to throw pitches a lot quicker. I mean, and that's just it. And the batters have to get ready. You know, I mean, it's something on them, too. I mean, they don't get the ability to step out. And Look, the kid that hit the home run, the two-run homer, um, you know, he he actually looked back at the umpire like, I'm going to want to call time out. Because he, he stepped out of the box and realized, okay, I can't really do that. He stepped back into the box. He looked at the umpire, and then he hit a two-run homer off to one of the Diamondbacks relief pitchers as we're trying to get to understand it. Salser. Salser. I called him Salser the Ulcer last night. Because <laughs> when I was watching him pitch, I got an ulcer. Watching Salser. All I could think about was that old Seinfeld bit, Seltzer, Salsa. Salser. Salser gave you me never, ulcer. You never watched Seinfeld, but they had this whole bit with Seltzer, Salsa, Seltzer, Salsa. It was very funny. Sorry, I'm old. I'm making Seinfeld references. But the, but the battery, he, you know, he kind of went out of the box. Oh, I got to get back in the box. And he looked at the, can I call time out? I don't even know. Can I call time? And yeah. it, instead, the next pitch, he hit for a two run homer. So everybody's got to get used to it. The batters, the pitchers. I mean, Gallon will get used to it, but he's going to have to work at a, at a quicker pace. And, you know, and, and and that's just that's just the way it is. I mean, he's not going to have the ability to take that time. And a lot of pitchers like to take the time and want to think a little bit about it. And, yep. you know, and you get to recover a little bit, too. I mean, you get to recover. So, you know, that's the other thing. I mean, you know, you throwing a pitch is a very taxing thing on an arm. 
and uh, you know you don't have a lot of you know you give yourself you don't you used to be able to give yourself a little more time to recover before the next pitch. Here's the quote that he gave to that Zach Allen gave to Nick after the game. Quote: With a faster pace, those long innings can definitely speed up on you. All of it is an adjustment. I'm not really in the business of making excuses. It's just kind of one of those things that I've got to get better at. Tori Lavello, we're going to have Tori on in about 10 minutes for his weekly visit. His thoughts on Gallon's performance? Good start. Um, a little bit of a um, shaky, shaky ending. I thought he had some really good stuff um, early in the game. And then there were some just miscues and, and advantage counts where I felt like he had good enough stuff to put hitters away and he, he was unable to Of course, that. Julio Arias, he had no such problems. Six innings, four hits, two runs, struck out no, six. He's a, he's a robot. He's, he's not He's not a real person. <laughs> you think he's a cyborg? No, I think he is. Half machine, he's, half. He's yeah. like the, the Schwarzenegger from the Terminator. Yes, that's not a real person. Cut the skin back and we're just going to find metal underneath I there? Don't, I don't think that that guy has blood going through his veins. <laughs> he cre- created by so. Skynet to, to end the world. Somebody, <laughs> somebody created a, a picture like that. I mean, he gets lefties out, he gets righties out. Yeah, he's, he's freaking good. unbelievable. He's I good. Mean, he's just unbelievable. And, the time, and that's why, you know, as good of a start as it was, you, you, you kind of, not that you knew it was going to end, but I mean, the Diamondbacks had, what, one hit after the first two innings of that game last night, and it was Cattell when he got thrown out at second. He I got thrown out at second. Old, was, I don't know why he even went to second uh, on was, bets. Yeah. I mean, that ball took a carom right to bets. They're like, why are you going to second? And then he was out, but then he slid off the bag. And then the worst part was, and I'm sitting there with Chelsea, and she goes, and David Peralta is like, she goes, man, that just doesn't look right. And you know, sometimes when you see a guy in a uniform, you're like, yeah, that really doesn't look right. And with Goldschmidt and the Cardinals, it was a little odd, but okay, it was the man. When, when, when are you, what are your longtime Diamondbacks goes into that Dodger blue? It's just God looks so terrible. <laughs> and then he gets a freaking base hit and drives in a run. <laughs> I had I had a similar reaction. I was actually talking back to the TV. It, oddly enough, Steve Berthium wasn't. He, he was he was mentioning about how we can't call David Peralta the freight train anymore because he's on the Dodgers. And then he did it. And, and I and I he did, did it. They were they, and I and I thought yeah, we can still call him the freight train. I mean it's okay. Just because he went to the Dodgers doesn't mean he forfeited his right to his nickname that he had for the eight years that he was here. We can still call him Freight Train. You know, I mean, text it. I text him all the time during the I, You know, I should. I always text him during sh- the game. I, I should have text texted Bird. Night. We can still call him Freight Train, Bird. I mean, come on. This isn't the end of the war. But it, I will That's agree it. with you. It was weird. And you know what? I almost didn't recognize Peralta. Isn't that weird? Really? Like, like I had to look at him and I'm going, oh yeah, that's David Peralta. Like, it, he's he just a little different somehow to me. I'm just Is so... that one of your daughter's favorites? No, she liked Jake Lamb. Jake Lamb, that's right. She Jake liked Jake Lamb. Lamb. That's right. I forgot that. Jake yeah. Lamb. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he's playing these days. No, he is. He's, uh, I think Seattle? he's platooning at first for the Angels. Angels? I think. Yeah, I believe he's platooning at first for the, for the Angels, if I'm not mistaken. So look, no one's going to... One game, um, it, it wasn't ideal. It wasn't the kind of offense that I think this team is capable of. It was certainly a unique lineup. They've changed it tonight. It's It looks a little more, I think, like what we're accustomed to, what we should grow accustomed to seeing from the Diamondbacks this year in terms of guys kind of in their normal spots. I'll pull it up here in a second, but uh, I seem to Get have... Alec Thomas in the lineup. I, I think so, yeah. Let me pull it up here. Give me just a... Okay, Josh Rojas, Cattell Marte, Goriel Walker, Carroll batting fifth, Moreno batting sixth, McCoy Carthy batting seventh, Alex Thomas batting eighth, Geraldo Perdomo batting ninth. So a little bit more like we're accustomed to seeing it. Still surprised that Corbin Carroll's as low down in the lineup as he is. I thought he'd be a little bit higher, but we'll see. Um, 
not to worry. It's it's one game, but uh, it was not pleasant. It was not fun. No, I mean you know it's I, you know, I had a guy text me yesterday. What I love about the first game of the season is that I could, it's the only day that I can look at the Diamondbacks are in first place. I'm like, oh god, all right, well, yeah, like all right, <laughs> yeah. No, I texted Berthium. I'm like, you got to fire the cameraman. It was a ba- base hit to left field with Gorio came up throwing the third, and the cameraman showed the angle at home, and it was nobody at home. Like, but the ball. Well, it's because the cameraman couldn't see because they kept turning off the lights in Dodger Stadium. Is that what it was? You saw, you saw all the yeah. flickering lights yes, and the, the LED. The, the, the LED, including one before the play had actually ended. They started yes. flickering the lights on an RBI single. It's like, whoa, whoa, hold on, guys. We're still playing here. Those bastards. Hold on. Eh, well, we'll talk to Tori about that. He wasn't super He wasn't super happy about that. Texas, your thoughts on the FanDuel text line 620-620 right now. It didn't end as he would have hoped. There are some positives. Maybe the D-back skipper Tori Lavella can take away from last night. We'll ask him. He'll join us next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Tori Lovello for our weekly visit with him every Friday at 2.30. We talk baseball with the Diamondbacks manager. Game two between the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers is coming up tonight. Merrill Kelly gets the start. Dustin May going for L.A. Mentioned the lineup in the last segment. Since we didn't get to it, I'll go ahead and play this here, and then maybe we can get more of a live reaction from him. This is Tori Lovello last night. His reaction to the light show during the pitching changes. I'm not. Dodgers beat his parents were today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just take notice. Of it when I'm, uh, you know, on the field, um, there, you know, mound visit, and I see the lights going on and off for pitches that are being thrown and warm ups. Um, yeah, there was a couple cases. I don't think anything was done maliciously. They just they gotta they gotta be better. And we'll figure that out. Carlos Vargas was warming up. They were flickering the lights. Uh, Will Smith's go ahead single in the fifth. That's the one I noticed where the play wasn't done. I mean, it was still happening, and they started flickering the lights Why because they were. Celebrating, it. they were celebrating runs. Apparently, they put in this yeah. brand new light system in Dodger Stadium, including like blue lights prematurely, so that yeah, when something to celebrate, they kind of turn the lights on and off, like almost like fireworks or something. And and so it would go dark and bright and dark and bright, and, and which is fine. It's odd. I, I, it's odd. It's different. Uh, I think some stadiums do it, but you got to wait till the play's done at least before you're going to start messing around with the light switch. Mm. You know, and I guess they're going to say something to Major League baseball about it and see it was it, it was odd yeah wait till the play's over then flick the lights yeah then flick the lights right so um th- as i mentioned jory scheduled to join us here and well, we got him oh then go ahead and play that open for us please your exclusive home of the d-backs arizona sports the local sports leader d-backs manager tori lovello joins burns and gambo to talk d-backs baseball yeah, Tori, we weren't sure if you were going to join us or not. There, there may be a power outage there at Dodger Stadium. We weren't sure if everything, the lights were working. But we have you. You're good, huh? Yeah, I appreciate you guys. You thought I'd get lost in the dark somewhere? Yes. I appreciate you having my back. Yeah. Hello, find- darkness, my old friend. Maybe you couldn't find your way to your phone because the lights weren't turned on or something like that. Welcome to the show, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you guys? I thought you might have been you know, going to bail out the guy who got leveled by the security guard last night after proposing to his girlfriend. Right. I mean, a lot, lot of exciting events yesterday. I, I, I enjoyed Guriel's response, the initial response, like, oh, yeah, he's getting married. And then when he got laid out, he was like, oh, my God, what, what just happened? Like, yeah. what football game am I at? But, yeah, it's very interesting when you come into Dodger Stadium. There's always um, really exciting things happening around you. 
sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad. L- let's talk about this, uh, uh, about Gallon and, and, and just, you know, pitchers having to get used to throwing so many pitches, especially in a long inning in, in a short amount of time. I mean, if I related it to boxing, I got a certain amount of punches that I can throw in three minutes. But you say, if you say, hey, you got to throw all those punches in a minute and a half, I'm going to, I'm going to wear myself out. You know, I don't have a lot of, you don't have a lot of time to think about what you're throwing. Is this just mm-hmm. an adjustment that everybody's going to have to get used to? Yeah, I think it's going to take a little bit of time for us to understand, hey, look, I might need to take a deep breath, step off, and, and take a five-second breather. Uh, you know, we're always very time aware. We're always looking at the, at the clocks that are situated around the stadium so we don't break any rules or have any violations. But, uh, you know, there's ways to have a mound visit from a catcher. Uh, there's just a, different ways to, to give yourself a blow. And the 27 pitches maybe a little bit more rapid fire than we're used to. It could have caught up to him. But we conditioned our athletes for this. We talked about it all spring training long. We ramped things up for them um, and got into that 20-plus range during uh, some, of the, some of the sessions before we started playing games. So our guys, our guys are in pretty good shape. We feel really good about where we're at. I don't think it necessarily caught up with Zach that inning. Part of me feels like it was the 7-9 and nine pitch inning that we had, and we forced him to go back out there after a really, really grinding emotional inning and physical inning, and that's where it caught up to him. Yeah, and I mean, obviously the hitters, too. I mean, I was watching closely that James Outman at bat where he smashed the two-run homer off of Sulcer. He stopped. He kind of stepped out, and he was like, i got to get back in the box. And then he actually looked at the umpire like, can I can I call a timeout? Can I? And, he, and then he hit the two-run homer on the next pitch. But if you look at that, he was, one, he was starting to go out of the box, then he got back in, then he looked at the umpire, and then he hit the two-run homer. I think for the batters, too, I think there's a lot of getting used to, like, that ball's going to come in pretty quickly i gotta be ready yeah i i think uh you give the get the normal excitement from opening day everybody's been practicing for the past month so we all know what through that dress rehearsal what to do and what to expect once you step into the into the big stage so you know i think the opening day factor you could throw in guys maybe got a little bit out of their minds and out of their body and and lost themselves which is understandable but i feel like it's not going to be a big deal and look he he probably reloaded relocked in and hit a hit a quality pitch on the outer half of the plate for a big two and home run that really broke the game open so more power to him we just got to be a little better and execute a little bit more what did you see Troy Lavello again? yesterday on the Bernstein Gambo show out of your hitters and their approach to Urias who obviously one of the best in the National League finished third in the Cy Young Award voting last year uh, after the after the, the first two innings and the first couple of runs hits were very scarce after that what did you see of your guys approach last night yeah I was very pleased for the first three innings you know I thought we we did a good job of, of uh, seeing the seeing the ball getting some really good swings off and we scored a couple ran, runs it translated really nice job of getting a runner over and scoring a runner uh, for our second run, but uh, you know a couple big double plays, and that that kind of happens in this game. A guy makes a pitch, you hit a hard ground ball, and they, and they get out of an inning by by having hit in double play. I just think once once they tied the score and took the lead, I think you know Urias got very tough. He started to buckle down a little bit and made it very difficult on us. I just want to swing the bat with a good base. I want to swing the bat and you know and and be in a good spot. Um, to, to make good solid contact, make good decisions, and determine if the ball is going to be a strike or a ball. Yesterday, I felt like we got a little bit out of that. Whether it's excitement, whether it's furious, I'm not sure. But we should be better off today. I think after that, that first game, I think we'll be in a much, much more um, uh, level-headed mindset. When you were writing those names on your lineup card yesterday, did you feel like you were doing something more unorthodox, or were you just playing to the numbers? <laughs> 
Yeah, I, you know, a lot of people were asking me about why Corbin isn't hit at the top of the lineup. I wanted to, I wanted to sandwich in a lot of the information uh, that I was getting and some of the instincts that I had based on based on the matchup. Um, you know, Urias can be very tough on some left-handed hitters. I just wanted to push guys up that have been having very good springs that have traditionally been attacking left-handed hit pitchers uh, their whole career. I feel like it, it, it would work out, and we're going to continue to to press the issue in, in the right places, the right ways. But I feel like instinctually, I, I was pretty close to what I wanted to do. I might have some subtle adjustments the next time we face the lefty, but you're going to see pretty, see a lot of the same ca- uh, characters once we, we uh, do square off against one. Urias is different, though, isn't he? Like, his numbers, and we went through them yesterday in previewing the game, his numbers against lefties and righties are so darn similar. Like, he yeah. he's really great against both. So I don't, you know, I don't know if there is an advantage with, you know, loading the lineup with the right hand. I'm just not sure. I don't know because he gets them out equally as, as well. Yeah, he's a good pitcher, period. I think the reason why um, lefties may have some success against him is that I, the changeup to me might come out, might be out of play. I think he's fastball, curveball, changeup to righties, and that's just one more pitch to worry about. But we should know enough about what his tendencies and habits are. We should have been ready to know what pitches to eliminate and what counts. We have a lot of really smart hitters that probably got a little bit outside of their body. And, you know, when you're a left-handed hitter and you got you got really two pitches to worry about, a, a, a slider that's going to sweep out of the zone, or a fastball that's going to be located in or out. It might be a little bit easier to game plan, but no, when he hits the spots, he's going to be tough. We just got to be a little bit better and not missing the pitches we're looking for. I'm really excited about, like last year, I talked this to you about this so many times, the base running, putting pressure on the defense, the ability to score from first on a ball in the gap with all the speed you have. So I want to ask you about the Marte play. It took a real you know, good carom right to Mookie Betts. Down the line, I mean, you're thinking, you're thinking double. Does he need yeah. to stop it? You're, you're down in the game, does he need to stop at first, or do you want the aggressiveness there on the base paths? Yeah, no, no, for sure. At that point in time, I think the score was five to two or seven to two. We need to we need to lay low, and, and we got we got to make sure we're we're one hundred percent locked in on those ninety feet. And we got to be safe. We can't give up outs in that situation. It's hard to get on base. He had, he had a hard ball, ground ball, line drive down the right field line. I think your natural tendency is to think as you're running is that ball is going to roll into the corner. But there's some kickouts here, and we know those kickouts. We've we've talked about it in some of our pregame stuff. So these batter runners and our defenders are all aware of these kickouts. You know, Mookie's got an unbelievable release. He's got an average to above average arm strength, but it's the release that really catches up um, with our guys. So he got that ball in and out and transitioned it and threw a strike. But definitely, uh, we need to be better. Cattell didn't make the right read or the right decision in that in that particular case. Tori Lovello, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. All kidding aside now, and, and we played your comments, and obviously you're not blaming what happened last night on the lights, but have, have you guys communicated to Major League Baseball the fact that you weren't happy, rightfully so, about flickering lights while play is still active on the field? Yeah, it was a topic here um, for us post-game. Uh, I know that you guys got a chance to see what I said publicly, and I'll stand by that. I, I believe in, um, you know, that, that there was nothing done maliciously. We lost this game for a square. They beat us. Whether the lights were blinking or not, in those particular cases, they're not. I think some of the post-game comments were a little bit tone-deaf. Um, but you know what? Uh, the, the Los Angeles Dodgers have done a tremendous job from from really the president's desk down to the GM um, by, by making sure that they came over and apologized to 
Mike and I. So we're going to turn the page. Uh, that trumps anything that was said or anything that was done yesterday. They're good people here. They took care of it the right way. So we're going ready to move on today. Sorry, you know my wife Chelsea knows baseball. She actually thinks she should be a hitting coach. You know, honestly, she really. I swear, she believes she could be a hitting coach. Like she'll go in the backyard with us on off the tee and work with them, and like she thinks she could do it. We're watching the game last night, and one of the things she said to me is, "Man, it looks so odd to see David Peralta in Dodger uniform." Like, but Tampa, it wasn't that yeah. big of a deal. But I mean, you've had it before. I mean, Huddy's over there now, but you know, a guy that was a lifelong Diamondback, a, a guy that played for you for so many years, to see him yeah. wearing that other uniform—that's—is it a little tough on you? A little bit. You know, you get attached to these guys, and, and um, that's just who I am in my core. I, I, I love these players. I care for them. And then you know, for six great years, David had been over here helping us win baseball games and just playing with a certain energy um, that that was unmatched at times. And he was very focused, and he cared about the right things. And uh, he was a very empathetic human being, and he just tried to win for, for the entire community, the entire state of Arizona. To see him here in L.A. was a little awkward, but, you know, you become numb to that. We, we've seen it happen a lot in this game, not just with our organization. Players switch teams. It's just a part of part of the makeup of what's going on inside of this game, inside of this culture. So we're happy for him. He got a couple hits. I don't necessarily like that, but we're happy that he's happy, and then we'll keep moving on. Troy, thanks for the time. Good luck tonight. We'll talk to you next week. All right, boys. Talk to you. All right, Skip. Troy Lavelle, manager of the Arizona Diamondbacks, D-backs Dodgers tonight. Merrill Kelly on the bump. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, is there perhaps a new suitor interested in the number three overall pick in the draft? And the question now, do the Cardinals want to go that low? That's next on the Burns and Gambo show. The Burns and Gambo need to know. Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. Set it back to the auction community studios. Eric Ruby is standing by. Eric, you've got the uh, you've got the con. What's the what's the question today? The question today is about a hypothetical four five matchup in the playoffs. Out of these five teams, two of them in one option, who would you least want the Suns to face in the first round? The Clippers, the Warriors, the Lakers, and then together is the Timberwolves slash Pelicans. We're going to get into this a little bit later. There's somebody who believes that the Lakers are going to go. Chris Mannix, Sports Illustrated. Was it Chris Mannix? Chris I, Mannix I do Sports Illustrated. Illustrated. I didn't know it was Mannix. Lakers are going to win it all. I really like Chris Mannix, too. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised he went there. Yeah, went there. Lakers are going to win it all. Mark it down. Book, <laughs> your, book your tickets for the NBA Finals. Get your hotel wow. rooms. He's got the Lakers winning it all. That's bull. I think he's crazy. That's bull. I, I, Chris Mannix, I like him, but that's, uh, that's a bull take. It's a great question. And I think there are. I, I think there are. If if Wiggins comes back, mm-hmm. if Paul George comes back, but I don't know that answer right now. So you know what I'll say? I'll say that the the great equalizer in the NBA is the three point shot. So I'm going to go Golden State for the simple belief that that is the one thing that kind of trumps everything. Like you know, that's your that's your the three point shot. Is kind of like in cards. What would it be like? A, uh, not a full house. A, a, a royal flush. A royal flush that beats all. Yes. There's some. There's a hand that beats every a other royal hand. Flush. A royal flush. The three. The three point shot is like the royal flush. If you're gonna knock down 24 of them and Clay and Steph go, it doesn't matter what the other guys do. 
Because if you hit 25, 24 three-pointers and they hit seven, you're going to win the basketball game. Yeah, I, I too, would say Golden State uh, would be the team to avoid, though. Um, the Clippers are a very close second, and the three-point shot has something to do with it. Just their pedigree in general makes me nervous about them. They they just find a way. They find a way in April. They find a way in May, and I would be very worried they would find a way again because they just have such pedigree there. Those guys just don't lose a lot in the playoffs. So I, what's, I would imagine they're the leader of the clubhouse. Oh, yeah. It's early on, so you can go to at Burns and Gambo, make your voice heard, but the Warriors runaway favorites, 65.3% going with Golden State in a distant second place at 13.9%, nearly 50% lower, is the Clippers. Then the Timberwolves and Pelicans at 11%. Lakers in last place at 9.7%. Take that, Chris Maddox. It's early, early, Chris. Chris Don't freak out yet, Chris. Send send that poll to him. (laughs) Just forward the poll to Chris Maddox. (laughs) So there. All right, that's the poll question. You can find it on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page, at Burns and Gambo one word is where you can find that. All right, there was a report, and I don't know if I've got the audio or not. I'm sorry, Mitch. I'm checking this a little late. But there was a podcast that was done by Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network, his Move the Sticks podcast. He and Bucky Brooks were talking about what might happen at number three in the draft, which is less than four weeks away. In fact, four weeks from right now, we'll be talking about whatever happened in the first the round. 48 hours, Anthony Richardson just became the number three pick. Doesn't it seem like that? Honestly. Have you were you surprised hours. by the amount of stuff there was on the World Wide Web today about Anthony Richardson? Man, it was yeah. everywhere. No, it doesn't everywhere. matter that he only completes fifty percent of his passes or didn't have a winning record. He can hit the ceiling. Yeah, like what, what, it trumps everything. Like, it, you know, he can hit the ceiling. No, I'm, I'm joking here. Like you know, it's just, well, he did hit the ceiling. I didn't think you were joking know, at saying, all. He hit the actual saying, ceiling. Right, right. The, his record at Florida didn't didn't matter. His his uh, completion percentage, which wasn't very good, doesn't matter, but he can hit the ceiling, so we'll draft him three overall. I'm kind of joking a little bit here, but no, I think the kids want a lot of people over. I mean, with his pro day, with the combine, with his uh, sheer athleticism and arm strength, and uh, he's a physical specimen, and I, I, I definitely think for a team that needs a quarterback, he's worth the risk. So here's Daniel Jeremiah, and I don't have the audio, I'll just read it to you, um, on his podcast with Bucky Brooks. Quote, can I give you the team that I've been told to keep an eye on that's exploring this and looking into this, talking about moving up to number three. Again, this is just people around the league who said do not sleep on numero 11, the Tennessee Titans. The two teams to keep an eye on with the trade-ups were the Raiders and the Titans. Raiders are sitting at seven. The Titans are sitting at number 11, which officially puts them out of my personal comfort zone to make a deal. I'll stand by that. Like you and I, you and I have have kind of carved out some territory this week when it comes to this. Yes. You've carved out the position of I want Will Anderson hell or high water. I want him at three or I want him at four if you're going to move down to the draft. That's it. I want him. Yes. I've given myself a little more room where I say, you know what, if you can move down to six or seven or eight and get an unbelievable deal from one of those teams there, I would still do it. I think we both appreciate each other's position on this. Like I see the value of your position. I think you see the value of mine. I don't want to go to 11. I just 
that, that you'll get a king's ransom to go down there because Tennessee will have to pay it to move up. And I get the connection with Monty and yeah. his old organization. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go down that far. No, listen, I love eleven in Stranger Things, but not in the draft, <laughs> and uh, not in the NFL draft. Like in Stranger Things, eleven's great. Unless you're drafting somebody who can move objects with their mind. Yes. Okay. If you're doing that. Let's yeah. talk, yeah. all right? Because I think that person would have tremendous value on the football I, field. I, I'm, I'm against it. I'm just against it. And you, you know my feeling on this. I do think that there's a certain point in the draft where you start to end up with the second and third best player at certain positions. So say there's three quarterbacks taken and not four in the top 11. Say Levis falls, because there is a chance Levis will fall. But say three go in the top three, and then you're four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That's seven picks that are going to go, you know, that aren't going to be quarterbacks before you make your pick. Now, I'm sure two or three of them will be defensive linemen and the best cornerback will go and maybe the best offensive lineman will go and maybe the best wide receiver. So then you start to get to the point where you might be taking the third best defensive lineman or fourth best defensive lineman yeah. or you might be taking the second best cornerback. or the se- And that's where I kind of, when you're in a position to get the best player in the, in the field at any position outside of quarterback and then you drop down to where you get maybe the third best I don't I think there's a big I think there's a big gap there that's why I don't like it yeah no and like I say I respect that position um the the momentum for Anthony Richardson it is substantial and and you know what I mean honestly in some ways maybe that's the best thing that could happen to the Cardinals because it might compel the Colts to feel like they have to get up to three you know like if if there really is this buzzsaw of momentum for the league to love Anthony Richardson that might compel the Colts to say you know what we have to we just have to get up one spot to get them to make sure we get them. Yeah. If because what, what have we said all along? That that's kind of the best thing that could happen for the Cardinals is that the Colts have one distinct guy that is much better than the other guy. Right. Assume Stroud's gone. Assume Bryce Young is gone. The Colts have to absolutely love the number three guy and really not like the number four guy to compel them. All of this Anthony Richardson buzz helps that cause. Could Richardson jump ahead of Bryce Young? Um. Boy, wouldn't that be crazy? No. Wouldn't that be crazy? No. Given everything that Bryce Young has done in college and everything that Richardson hasn't done, he's 5'10 and a half. I get it, but I, I, to me, that's. That is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. It really is. I, I, I get the physical ability of Anthony Richardson. My goodness. Bryce Young's about as proven a commodity as you're going to get at one of the highest levels of college football. Anthony Richardson's a, he's not a lottery ticket, but he's, he's not a sure thing. You're not, you wouldn't be surprised by this. There's always something about Alabama quarterbacks, man. They've had so many good ones, and none of them ever really work out that great, you know? True. Although in years past, Alabama was mostly known for winning games because of their defense. Uh huh. You know they didn't really require great quarterbacks. No, Mac Jones too. Like they're they're in the NFL and they're better than what they used to have. But you know the great McElroys and the guys that they've had a lot of quarterbacks that were really good and you know they just weren't good enough to play in the NFL. I don't know. I mean I think there's. I think everything points to Bryce Young being the safe pick. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, mm-hmm. proven track record, winning program. Um, but man, it's just something about Richardson, the arm strength, the talent, the, the size, the speed, the you know, all of that that made. I, I just wonder if the Texans at two might be like, man, I, it's fair to wonder. I I just had a knee jerk reaction. A, you think it's a lock? Uh, no, I, I should. You you. Pre, I don't think it's a lock. 
I don't think it's. I think it's possible. I think anything's possible. I just think if it were to happen in real time, my reaction would be just as my reaction was now. Like, oh my God, can you believe that? I don't think it's nuts. I think anything's possible in a, in a moment. I think like C.J. This. Shroud's the number one pick for yeah. sure. I just question two and three right now. When we come back into the three o'clock hour, the reasons the Suns could win the NBA Finals. We've got three of them. A couple of them are pretty good. Let's talk about it next. Burns and Gebo.